How cool would it be to have a high-quality wireless audio system in your home that you can build up over time as finances allow? Whether it's a big surround sound system for your living room or a small speaker for the home office, Sonos has you covered. But Sonos products aren't cheap, so whether you want to do your research before investing in a new platform or you've just taken the plunge and want to ensure you're making the most of your investment, you need Sonosthesia, the definitive guide to Sonos from a blindness perspective. Sonosthesia is an ebook packed with information about the different products in the Sonos range, all the ways you can use Sonos, and some pretty cool advanced tips. Pick up a copy of Sonosthesia today and get on track to taking your listening to the next level. Sonosthesia, available from the Mosin Consulting Store at www.mosin.org. That's www.mosen.org. Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. There are so many of them out there, so I certainly appreciate you taking the time to listen to this one. Are you ready to geek out? Because after some programming notes, we are going to do just that. We're publishing this week's edition of the podcast a little bit earlier than we normally would. That's because Microsoft is due to start pushing the Windows 10 Creators Update on the 11th of April. That doesn't necessarily mean, as we'll explain in a minute, that you'll get the update on the 11th, but you could. And I'll be talking in a moment extensively with Jeff Bishop. We'll discuss our experiences with the Windows 10 Creators Update. Both of us have been testing it at various times. We'll cover what's new, both in a general sense and from an accessibility point of view. And there's an awful lot that has changed for the better with accessibility. And we'll talk towards the end there about what you can expect when the update comes your way so you know how to be prepared and how you can monitor progress with the update. Before we get there, though, a couple of other notes. First of all, a cuppa at the Mosins will not be airing this week. A lot of people who listen to this podcast also listen to that show, so I thought I'd mention that a cuppa at the Mosins, our talk show that is on Mushroom FM, we're taking a break because in New Zealand, it's a holiday on Friday. And so we are going to take the weekend off, have a little bit of time out, but we will be back with a cuppa at the Mosins the week after that. And on that show, so that will be the 20th of April, we are going to do a follow-up on our discussion from last week's edition of The Blind Side, where we talk about blind parenting. We've had overwhelming emails of support and thanks for that podcast. People appreciated the range of perspectives that we had on blind parenting. And I know that many people would like to have their say on this subject. And so on the 20th of April, we will devote that two-hour live call-in show to blind parenting. So if that's a subject that interests you, you'd like to listen or share your expertise, then please make a note, mushroomfm.com and in all the good radio apps, 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, April the 20th, but no kappa at the Mosins this week. Also a heads up that next week's edition of the podcast is a very special one. I'm looking forward to bringing this interview to you very much. We're going to be speaking with the former British Home Secretary, David Blunkett. David Blunkett was Home Secretary at the time of the 11th of September attacks, so he coordinated Britain's response to the 11th of September attacks. He is the only blind person ever to have been a member of the British Cabinet. He served for some time during Tony Blair's administration. I have the interview in the can now. I can tell you that Lord Blunkett gives us a fascinating insight into what it's like being at the heart of power in Britain, uh, some of the techniques he used as a blind person, 
how you cope when your guide dogs are national news and a lot more besides. So that's former Home Secretary Lord Blunkett. That's next week's edition of the Blindside podcast. And finally, before we get to Jeff and the creator's update, let me take you all the way back to episode 20 of the Blindside, which is one of our most listened to podcasts. That was the feature that we did where, among other things, we discussed blindness and atheism. And there has been an enormous response to this. People continue to listen to that episode. And as a direct result of that episode and people reaching out, there is now a support group that has been established for disabled people who are either questioning their faith, have abandoned their faith already, or who've never had faith and they'd like to support other disabled people who are feeling similarly. So whether you're on the verge or whether you're a diehard atheist and you would like to connect with other disabled people who feel the same way that you do, now there is a way to do it. It is on the groups.io platform, which seems to be a pretty robust email list platform. And if you would like to subscribe to this list, it is called Reasonable. That is reasonable, but with the capitals in the right place. So it sounds like Reasonable. You can subscribe by sending a blank email to the following address, Reasonable. So that's all joined together, and it's not actually case-sensitive, so just write the word reasonable in any way you like. Reasonable plus subscribe at groups.io. That's reasonable, and then the plus sign, subscribe, at groups, G-R-O-U-P-S dot I-O. It's time to hear from this week's featured guest on The Blind Side. Starting on the 11th of April, Microsoft rolls out Windows 10 Creators Update. Now, unlike Apple updates, this is something that not everybody will get at once. It's going to be rolled out progressively, and it seems that newer machines are going to be the lucky ones to get it first. There's a lot in this Creators Update, a lot. And we're joined once again, as we were when the anniversary update came out, by the bishop himself, the the bishop of Windows, Jeff Bishop. Welcome to the blind side again. Well, thank you, sir, very much. Glad to be here. And yes, this is very interesting. I I really didn't think there was going to be a lot in the creators update. And then you go looking and oh my gosh, it's uh <laughs> it's it's quite amazing. Why are they calling it the creators update? Well, because it it has a lot of gaming in it. It has a lot of uh 3D stuff and HoloLens stuff for future products and so I think that's sort of why they they did it. It's it's really meant as a consumer release, although there is some things in here for enterprise, um, but it's it's really meant more as a as a consumer desktop release with lots of just little bits and pieces all over the place, and lots of people are going to be happy. There's some stuff here for everybody. Very significant accessibility enhancements, which we'll Huge. come to. Yeah. yeah, but let's talk about the out of box experience and how that has been simplified. What they have done is they have uh, done a couple of things. On the accessibility front, you now have a true out-of-box accessible experience. And what I've told people in the past is, you know, I'm going to buy a Mac because I can install Windows independently. Well, those days are over. Uh, as long as you have the right hardware and you have even just a simple USB headset, which generally has a, a chip in it to emulate a sound card, then you should be good to go. And in addition to that, there's some pretty interesting Cortana features 
that have been added in the out of box experience to sort of guide you through the setup experience. So this has been tweaked across the um, product as the product evolved over the last six to nine months. Yeah, so how would you compare it with the Mac experience? This is something that the Mac get, gets a lot of points for because you can go into, say, all the way down to the disk utilities level if you need to start over and yeah. install from scratch. So how does it compare, do you think? Well, you can do exactly the same thing. So you create either a USB key, uh, you know, stick, bootable, uh, and you, you the, the key here is, of course, you would need to make sure that your machine allowed you to boot from such a device, whether it's a USB stick or a, a CD or a DVD. But if you have that problem solved, then you can simply boot from this and start Narrator, which we'll talk about later because there's a new way to start Narrator. And once you start it, you have full access to all of your commands. You can even partition the drive. You can format. You can do anything you want, basically. It's just... You know, like anybody else doing it, install Windows and away you go. It's it's fully accessible. And, you know, what I'm telling people is that when this comes out, you want to make sure that you have the cheapest sound card you can buy. Like, you know, you know like a USB, like a USB uh, GoPro. I'm not even sure they sell that, but I think they do. It's like 20, it used to be $25 at Best Buy or Amazon uh, or even a, a, a Logitech gaming headset would probably work as long as it's USB. It should uh, pick it up. And most motherboards have sound cards in them that it should pick up. So you should be okay. You never truly know because you, there's so much hardware out there. It's not like the Mac where you know what you got inside. It, there's, there's lots of OEMs out there. So you really never know what you're going to get. But uh, it probably will work. A little while ago, as people know who read my blog, I sold my Mac and I, it was one of the best things I ever did, one of the best decisions I've taken in terms of technology in a long time. I have not regretted it once. And I think when you look at what is going on with this creator's update in Windows, and you also look at the way that Microsoft is engaging with the wider community in such an open way. I mean, you can have a Twitter conversation with some real decision makers at Microsoft on this stuff. They're reaching out to third parties like Adobe and others. There's a real culture of openness and inclusion and willing to get something done. And I think, really, Apple's got to lift its game in terms of all of these things because this significant advantage they had has now been eroded. Well, that's right. And I, I think this is all having to do with the leadership at Microsoft at the top with Satya Nadella and Jenny Lee Fleury. Uh, many people may know that, you know, Satya has a really, uh, vested interest in accessibility and Jenny herself is even deaf. She yeah. is a, she is amazing. She's just incredible. And, uh, the, the whole company has really, you know, swarmed around accessibility and not only are they, are, are they concerned about accessibility, but they're concerned about productivity. I mean, this is now becoming a really big focal point where not only do we need to make sure that we're accessible, but we need to make sure that we delight the customer in what we do. You know, people like Clint Covington and and Jeff Petty and and others at Microsoft are are truly, you know, striving for great innovation within within the product. 
in Windows and in Office. And, you know, it's a great time to be on the Windows platform. Yeah, and, and productivity very, very is really where Apple is struggling in terms yep. of the, the Mac platform because when you compare uh, the the degree of advanced word processing you can do with ease in Windows, it's just not there on the Mac. Well, and also you mentioned about, you know, people reaching out. It It's amazing. I was at CSUN and I was so delighted and felt so good about, you know, seeing, you know, Freedom Scientific and VFO Group and Microsoft and Google and Adobe and all these players really all in the same room talking to each other. And everyone was focused on we need to make sure that we get this right because accessibility is so important and the world is changing so, so fast. And, you know, it was a really, really positive uh, message that was sent and just really exciting stuff. Just very, very cool. Yeah, very inclusive, very open, yep. very transparent. Yep. It's great. All right, we'll yep. come back to accessibility, but I want to tell you a story. I was at a hotel and I had a cab to catch and a train to catch, I think, or a plane or something like that. Yes. And I was held up by the fact that right when it was about 9.45, and, you know, this, the checkout time at the hotel was 10 o'clock. Oh, God. And right, right at that time, the PC at the front desk of this hotel that I was staying at <laughs> chose to do update. a Windows update. And <laughs> it was it a did. big Windows update, and everybody was sitting there. The line was getting longer and longer, and the poor woman at the front desk was saying, I can't do anything because Windows update is doing its thing. Now there is a lot more control about that kind of thing, pausing Windows updates and uh, scheduling yeah. a more appropriate time. Now, this is interesting because it depends on who you read on this. I don't know if these are going to be features that are only in the enterprise version or if this is going to happen in the home market as well. It may be that we get some of this in the in the home version where we can only delay for a little bit of time. But the, the idea here is that you'll be able to delay Windows updates for I think it's up to six months, I think. And you can also delay driver updates, which is fantastic, you know, giving users a lot more control over their uh, upgrade experience, even when, you know, because Windows 10 upgrades all the time. There's yes. updates that come out all the time. So once you get to Windows 10, you're pretty much on, a, on an ongoing cycle. Now, I don't think that you can st stop the updates uh, forever. Once you, especially on the home version, you're pretty much, uh, you know, you've, you've inked your... Uh, name in blood when it comes to getting updates. And that's fine because really that's best because for security and accessibility and all kinds of reasons there's, you know, and, and because of, of VFO group and the work that Microsoft is doing with them working hand in hand together to make sure that the products are in sync. Uh, we don't really have much of a problem with that anymore. Tell me about delivery optimization. Oh no, this is cool. So, you know, that what they've done now is they're allowing PCs around the world to help distribute Windows. Now you may say, oh, great, now they're going to suck up my bandwidth. I'm sure they'll be diplomatic about this. Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot of details on this, but the idea here is to help get Windows out to more devices more quickly. That's basically what's happening here. Mm. And I think another thing that goes on too is that if you download the update for one machine and you have a LAN where there are yep. a bunch of Windows machines on that LAN, then it doesn't have to go to the internet to pull down the update, which is a good yeah. thing. Yeah, 
as long as you have sharing set up correctly, yeah. I think. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can disable all this stuff by default because some people find that creepy or unacceptable. You can. There's all yeah. kinds of privacy settings, and boy, did they move things around in this version. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's right. The settings is quite different, and we'll come to that, but there, yeah. there, there are things in different places, in, in my view, for the better for the most part. But let exactly. me talk about ebooks first. And, oh, uh, yes, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, so we have good access these days to iBooks and we have Kindle, and I love the fact that we're no longer dependent on the wonderful people who, over the years, have made content available to us as quickly as they can in special formats. But there's always something special about being able to buy the book on the day that it's come out, especially if it's something topical and everybody at your workplace is talking about this Absolutely. book around the water cooler and you want to read it too. It's great. And now accessible ebooks are something that Microsoft are doing. Yeah. Now this is interesting. So you'll be able to buy them from the store and you'll also be able to read EPUB and PDF documents inside the Edge browser. That'll be good for the Mosin Consulting EPUB books. That's right, my yeah, friend. Yeah, so you'll have yeah. to test this when you get it. Yeah. And me, you may already have it. You, are, you inside, are you doing the insider thing? I was doing the insider thing until quite recently, and then yeah. I did and a rebuild and decided I would not. But <laughs> uh, So I know that I'll get yes. the creator's update pretty quickly because I have a, a, a fairly new machine. You indeed do. I'm jealous of that machine. It's a wonderful machine with a built-in 4G man, you know, oh, just rocking the world in the back of a don't back bring of an it Uber. To America, my friend, yeah. it will never leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you found that's working okay, though, in terms of accessibility. See, with the Kindle stuff, and they've done, they've made some strides on the Windows platform of late, but it's still a bit hit and miss, isn't it? Because not every Kindle book is accessible in Windows. Sure. Well, right now you're having to use Narrator for Edge because yeah. you know we don't have really good support yet in, say, JAWS, for example. Mm. Um, but that's coming. That that's is coming. coming. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a very significant programmatical change. Oh yeah, because of the way yeah. that screen readers yeah. now have to talk. But so, but how have you found it with uh, with Narrator? Yeah, it's fine. Um, I, I have not. You know, read tons of books with it, but I've read some basic stuff, and for what I've done thus far, it works well. But I wouldn't say that I have exhaustively tested it. Now, Steve Jobs did come under a bit of fire when he really got stuck into Flash, which was a very dominant platform at the time. And he said, no, the iPhone is not going to support Flash because he thought it was pretty hideous technology. There does seem to be a consensus building that it would be better to move on to open standards like HTML5 instead of Flash wherever possible. And now in this update, Microsoft Edge has partial blocking of Flash. Yes, I just think they should block it forever. Don't even let it install. <laughs> Flash needs to die. Yes, this is a good thing. Um, <laughs> lots of inaccessible websites with Flash. And uh, so the sooner that we get this out of our universe, the better off the world's going to be, I think. And, you know, Google is doing this and and uh, Firefox is doing it. So bring it on. I, I, I'm all... I'm good with this. And and it, one of the big problems with Flash is that it seems to have so many vulnerabilities that have to constantly be patched. And sure. so if you're not yeah. careful, you could be exposing your system if you don't keep your Flash up to date. Well, and it's very hard to make Flash accessible. I mean, it's not an easy task. It's It's not like HTML5, you know, where you pretty much get a lot of native stuff as long as you don't 
do a lot of your own custom UI pieces, if you let the browser take care of it, it's going to be fine. Start improvements. So Start now supports uh, tile folders. This is pretty cool. See, that means you can organize your app tiles as you like. Uh, you yes, can really you can tailor Microsoft your Start folder. menu to your heart's content. Yes. Now, I don't generally use tiles that much. I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm stuck back in the uh, Windows 7 slash XP <laughs> days. You know, you sort of get used to things like that. But uh, yes, no, this is good. So you'll be able to create folders and then put all your icons inside the folders and, and just, you know, organize and organize and organize. It's good. Yeah, it is good. You know, since I went back to Windows full time and, and moved away from the Mac, I've been doing some of the newer trickeries that are available yeah. in windows including the virtual desktops and the one sad thing for me about the virtual desktops which i really do like is that you can't save the state of them all and no um, that's why i don't use them yeah because if you could it just would be so useful oh my gosh that would be great if you could boot up and have five you know virtual desktops created automatically yeah now how cool would that be it, it would know? be and i hope that comes in a future update i do very much also like the fact that you can reassign apps on the taskbar. You can pin apps to the taskbar and there's a consistency if you pin them and therefore you can use the the Windows numeric shortcut right. keys to quickly mm -hmm. launch sure. apps or switch to apps. So when I'm broadcasting on Mushroom FM on a Sunday and it's very, very busy and yeah. I have tweets coming in, I make some notes about what's going on in Word so I don't forget things. I have the station playlist studio open and I have email and it's all just happening. And sometimes just the mere fact of alt-tabbing, alt-tabbing oh, all the way so through the different apps that I have open to get to the one I want now it slows you down. But because you can pin these apps to the taskbar, it means that you can just press a consistent Windows and, and a yep. number key on your number row and zap straight to the app you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Productivity at its best. It is wonderful. Wonderful. Yep. Notification grouping. So the Action Center now supports notification grouping. Uh, and so yeah. apps can be placed you know, logically into, into separate groups. Yeah, so you get to this with Windows A, and this is cool because a lot of times, you know, you may walk away from your computer and you'll get balloon tips that pop up, and they go away because that's how they work. And so you can come in here and you can and you can review all of your notifications, and you and and now the notifications will be able to be grouped. So I'm sure we're going to see a Microsoft grouping or something, you know, something like that. So or security. So, so this is good. This yes, is, uh, and this is something that. Apple used to do in they iOS. Do. Yeah, they did. so they took it away. Yeah, so you could elect to have all your notifications from the Twitter app grouped together and quickly skim through them and and get rid of them all. But exactly. for some reason, Apple took that away. I thought I thought that was a curious decision on their part. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the logic was because you used to have a choice. You could group them in in reverse chronological order, or you could group them by app. But but yeah. now they took it away. Yeah, I'm not really happy with the notification center stuff. Now, you know, no, no well, right I now, mean that there really are some focus irritating. issues if you have enough. If you wake exactly. up, yeah, if you exactly. wake up and you've got a squillion notifications like oh I do, my God. it's really yeah, hard exactly. to scroll through them now. Yeah, if you if you have 20 plus, forget it. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> you're not you're not going to get them. <laughs> That's on my iOS 11 wish list. That um, yes. Oh, compile. you haven't you have not posted that yet. I have not posted that yet. It's early, but it'll be good. Oh, yeah. Stay okay. stay tuned. It's 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 worth uh, the wait. All right. Well, I <laughs> look forward to that. I'm sure Braille is high up there again. 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> no surprise there. Hey, let's come back to Cortana and talk about keyboard shortcuts. And uh, the, the, the magic one to play with in this update is Windows C. Yeah, no, this is confusing me because, you know, they, they took it away and now they're bringing it back. I, I, I'm a little confused by it. So what I'm telling people is use Windows C or Windows Shift C, whichever you can get to work. Sometimes on my machine, especially at home, Cortana is a, is a, it's a troubling little, uh, little girl. She sometimes will not work and can't communicate with the internet. Not really sure whose fault that is because this was a upgrade from windows seven to windows 10. And you just never really know if sometimes it's best just to nuke and pave and start all over. So yes. So they brought this back and windows C should work for bringing up Cortana and speaking to her. And, and she's got a lot more, uh, built-in uh, innards now too, especially with app integration. So she uh, can get you more information based on applications that are installed on your machine as well. In general, one thing that works very well in the whole Apple ecosystem is this whole cross-device thing. Yep. So I can be, I could be sitting at my desk with a Mac and if I get a phone call, I could take that call on my Mac, whether it be a FaceTime call or even a regular phone call as long as my phone is, is within Bluetooth range. The whole handoff system where you could start to work on a document or an email mm-hmm. on the Mac and then just pick it up as you walk out the door on your iPhone and then come back and continue it on the iPad. It's a beautiful thing. And now Microsoft is seeking to, I guess, emulate that to some extent with the cross-PC support. Yeah, I think we're going to see this trickle in. It's coming, but I think there'll be more and more of it as we see future versions of Windows 10. So how have you found it? Have you been able to use it to any extent at this point? I have not played with that, no. Can we talk about a few security features? And sure. let's look at this dynamic lock feature that's in this update. What does that mean? Yeah, so we've had this on the Mac for a while where, mm. you know, you can use your watch to unlock. That is really cool. The yeah. Mac. Yeah. And if you walk away from the Mac, it locks itself. Well, that kind of stuff is coming to Windows. I don't know what devices are going to be required. Yeah, that's here. the I key thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Will, will it work with my device? Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know if it's going to need hello support. I don't know a lot about this. I don't think it's going to work with iPhone. It'll... Although I shouldn't say that. It might. I, I just don't know. Uh, so it's better to say you don't know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what we get experts on the podcast for, to say they don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. we, get what you, we, we get what we pay for. Tell you. That's a, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. What about Windows Defender Security Center? This is a new kind of interface, isn't it? Yeah, so they're kind of grouping all of this stuff in in one place now, and I'll tell you that you know there's really no need for Nod32 or or. Uh, I agree. You know. I, I get emails from people all the time who say, "What virus checker should I use?" And perhaps yeah. some people would consider it sacrilege or something. But I write back and I say, "Don't bother." The nope. the virus um, stuff that's in Windows 10 by default now. You look at all the independent tests that have been done. It gets a pretty good rating. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and Even it's accessible, which is more than can be said bad. for a lot of these other offerings. Which, well, well, exactly. I mean, I accidentally installed one. I can't even remember which one it was. 
a couple of weeks ago, I installed an application and I'm normally very, very careful. I know some people get into hot water because they just go and they click next, next, next. And next thing you know, there's a whole bunch of checkboxes oh, yeah, they, did, they really didn't check and yeah. it's installed Ugh. all sorts of toolbars and software. Well, somehow this installer wasn't fully accessible and it installed one of these third-party virus checkers. Fine. And I could not uninstall it independently just it, you know i went into programs and features and then when you bring up the uninstaller it had some weird graphic that was impossible with with any screen reader yep, it yep. was just a and i was locked into this thing until i got sighted assistance and and really i'm not sure why anyone's bothering now because the uh the technology that comes with windows 10 is really good and every so often if i think things are getting a bit sluggish I ran a whole bunch of checks. Like I like CCleaner very much. I don't know if you yep. use CCleaner, I do. but I, I yep. it, and you Malwarebytes. Can, yeah, and Malwarebytes. So those are the two tools that I come back to. So CCleaner yep. can really optimize. I use it mainly to optimize the registry mm-hmm. because sometimes when you uninstall apps, yep. it, they, they don't clean up the registry, and um, you you can really notice a performance boost when you run CCleaner on the registry. And I've never had it do anything disastrous. To me, and all no, the years that I've, I've never had anything yeah. happening there. So there's that, and then as you say, malware bytes. Every so often, it's good to run malware bytes just to yep. make sure that there's nothing lurking about on your system. Other than that, forget about the third party virus checkers. Yeah, I, I don't. I I haven't bought one in years. Yeah. So yeah. that's that. That's good. So that's the security uh, center. That essentially just puts everything in one place, right? Is it sort yep. of a convenience yep. thing? Pretty much grouping everything together, and you know. Uh, one central place, so it's all good. I'm happy about that. The blind side continues in just a moment, but first, I want to tell you about a product that Bonnie and I discovered that has really changed our lives, and I think it'll change yours as well. You know, the internet was meant to be without borders or limits, but some companies put geoblocks in place. They can prevent you from catching that sports event you really want to follow, like the Super Bowl, which was not possible to watch online here in New Zealand, or enjoying an audio-described version of that popular TV show that's so difficult to follow without it. There is a way around this stuff. Bonnie and I use and recommend HMA. Using HMA's technology on your smartphone or computer, you can virtually transport yourself to almost any country in the world so that to computers in that country, you look just like you were a local. We love the freedom it gives us to watch audio-described TV that we wouldn't otherwise have access to. And you can have that freedom too. And you can have it today by visiting mosin.org HMA. That's mosin.org HMA. Tear down the wall with HMA VPN. Windows I is your friend. One thing I have discovered is that not many people seem to know that Windows Eye will take you Windows directly, I is fabulous. Yeah, t- directly into settings. There yeah. is a lot that has changed. Holy cow. Um, yeah. I personally find the change very logical. Things are grouped in a much more sensible way in the settings yep. in the creator's update. What's your take on this? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think that the groupings are more logical. Um, it may take a little bit to find things because <laughs> they move around that, you know, they move them around a little bit. But, uh, I think that once you get used to it, you're going to love it. Even, um, things like enrolling in, in windows insider got moved, uh, yeah. in, 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 in settings as well. So yeah, no, it's good. I, I'm, I'm really happy about that. And so if you find that you can't find something, well, just 
keep poking around because you'll you'll get there. And, and things really are now in the places that they should have been. You know, they really did a lot of work in in reorganizing and even renaming it some things to to make it more logical. You know, for example, personalization really does have a lot more there um, about you know, well, personalizing your experience and and putting more in in that in that folder. I think of them as folders, um, you know, within that grouping. So, you know, it's good. What seems to be happening is a gradual moving of things away from, from control the control panel. panel. Yep. But what I think is confusing during this phase is just knowing where to look because sometimes yep. you look for something in settings and it's not there and you have to go to control panel. Um, have you found any logic behind that in particular? No, not really. But but what I have found is that if I can't find something, I'll just go to the start menu and search for it because nine times out of 10, you're going to find it that way. Yes. You it know, is, it is very example, good to start menu in that sound, regard. You know, yeah. Um, things like that, you know, changing, uh, volume settings, you know, so you can turn volumes up and down for specific applications, mm-hmm. which still works in windows 10. And, uh, I find that I just, you know, go to start and type volume and hit return and it's there. So I don't have to worry about you know, oh my gosh, where is it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yes, it is yeah. very good, very good. Um, just specifically, some things that have changed: updated device settings. So the previous um, separate connected devices and Bluetooth settings—that's all yep. been combined into a single, more logical Bluetooth and other devices setting. So I like that because you know I can go to one place to. I just want to stress once again to make your mouth water that I've got built-in LTE on my new laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blazing yeah. fast 4G. And uh, so just to go in there and, and see Wi-Fi and cellular and everything all kind of grouped together, where would it, where I'd expect to find it, um, it's it's great. Uh, display settings. So that, uh, that interface has been consolidated as well. And yep. uh, commonly needed options from the old control panel, that's now in... Settings. So another example of where things have moved. Yeah, Yeah. settings. Uh So let's talk about accessibility now. I think the biggest change is that impact on our listening audience is all the narrator stuff. Holy cow. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot here. It's almost like a new product. And uh, one of the things that I certainly appreciate because (laughs) every so often I'm bringing up the properties for a file I'm working in and I might be broadcasting and I hit Windows Enter by mistake instead of Alt Enter and next thing I know, narrator might be broadcast because it's coming through a different sound card from <laughs> my my yeah. jaws and oh. So now it takes a, a new control keystroke key. to launch. Yeah, yeah control narrator. Windows Enter Yep, and uh, that will bring up narrator. So you'll have to get used to this. And I have three laptops sitting on this desk here and – you know, a couple of them. But none of them have built in LTE. <laughs> yes. Thank right. You. I just wanted to stress. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> because I use narrator a lot. For example, if if for some reason speech goes away because an application is frozen, sometimes narrator will 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 get you there. Not always, though. Sometimes that still doesn't work. But yeah, no. I mean, narrator has come a really, really, really long way, and Microsoft is working quite hard at making it a decent experience for people that need to get up and going on their machine. And, and even, you know, if they want to go to the library and, and work on a windows machine, narrator is not bad. It really isn't. I agree with that. And I think it's good that 
Microsoft is ensuring that a blind person can walk up to any Windows 10 device and seriously use it. I think that's important. You know, I'm sure, like me, you're the family computer troubleshooter, you know. No, my kids are now. Really? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's well done. Oh, no. oh, congratulations. Oh, no. I haven't quite that's... achieved that yet. So Yeah, no, that's uh well, especially on the hardware front, they're definitely better at that. I, I still am better at the software side of things. It, well, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that but but I think it is really important that that we be able to walk up to any computer and yep. do meaningful things with it and not feel like we're struggling. And the well, reader is really, yeah, yeah it's, it's really Sending getting there. And, and, yeah, I and mean, of course, that was an advantage that want. VoiceOver had on the Mac, um, yep. that, that it was a, a truly viable screen reader. But I think, again, where the Windows platform is just pulling ahead by miles now is that you've got Microsoft filling this function of very good basic to intermediate access. But mm-hmm. if you need to work with customized applications or you truly want to be able to customize and have a powerful experience, then you have JAWS on the desktop on in Windows to fill that need. So with That's the combination correct. of those two solutions, you're you're set for every possible eventuality really. Well and and not only is Microsoft working hard on Narrator, they have an outstanding team working on it right now. They're also focusing on the AT vendors too, and really making sure that they're successful as well. So it's a really cool partnership. Yes. Yes, it is. I, really, it, really yeah, cool. It's, I mean, you see the Microsoft disability uh, Twitter account uh, constantly t- making references to third-party solutions. Yep. It, it's a community mm-hmm. that they are building, and I think that that's symbolic of the whole culture of Microsoft at the moment that I think is really positive. Uh, one thing I should mention that I do appreciate about Narrator is it has, they don't call it this, but it has a screen curtain. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they call it uh, developer, developer mode. I think. I, I think that's unfortunate that they call it developer mode because it doesn't really say what it does. I suppose they call it developer mode because they want developers to use Narrator without that's the, what, that's exactly the, why. the crutch of the screen. And I get that, but it's not a very user-friendly name for what is actually a very helpful feature because I love the screen curtain on my Apple devices. I love the fact that I can have yep. absolute confidence that no one is looking over my shoulder and, and seeing what I'm doing. And so uh, the the developer mode in the Raider is something that I really do appreciate. I forget the keystroke; it's something to do with F12, I think. Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's Control Windows F12 now. I think. Right. Yeah, right. we we'll have to look that up, and you yeah, can yeah. do your editing magic here. <laughs> yeah, stick yeah. it in somewhere. Yeah, uh, but that's that's a really good feature, particularly for laptop users who might be on a bus, you know, with their built-in LTE. I mean, I know you don't have that, but um, I do, and. Did I, did I tell you I'd got built-in LTE? On? Yes, you yeah. did. Oh, I wasn't sure if I'd mentioned that or not. Yeah. Um, what about Braille support? This is new to Narrator. What's it based on? It's based on two different open-source libraries, that being LibLui and Braille TTY. So with that combination, you're going to get access to 30 display manufacturers and multiple variants of displays and then 40 languages or so. It's amazing to that. think there are yeah. that many Braille display manufacturers, I know. I, isn't I, it? I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them Pretty come amazing. out of Europe where the Braille market is so buoyant over there. Right. 
exactly. Now, it's very important that users go read the narrator documentation, which, by the way, you can find uh, at the Microsoft Accessibility site. But if you want to get there directly, you can go to aka.ms slash narrator get started, and that will take you to the narrator manual. aka.ms. Yep, aka.ms slash narrator get started. All one word. Yes, sir. Yeah, cool. All right. Okay. And that will take you directly to the online documentation, and it has all kinds of great references there on each of the Braille displays that it supports and all the commands and all the groovy stuff tells you how to install Braille support. It's a little different. We can talk through that if you'd like. Well, that would be handy. Let's tell people what they can expect, I guess. Well, remember that with Narrator, you have to turn Narrator on with Control, Windows, Enter. And you really should enable Narrator to do the installation of Braille. You'll turn Narrator on, and then you'll go into the Ease uh, ease of Access Center. This is the uh, Windows U command, and this is part of Settings, actually. So you'll see that it looks sort of familiar if you've poked around in the settings a bit. There will be a button there that says Download and Install Braille. You'll click on this button, and it will download drivers and things. It will actually pop up a window, which you may have to alt-tab to a security window, and you'll have to accept the driver installation. You will then get a Enable Braille checkbox that appears inside of Ease of Access. Once you enable that, then you can select the Braille display or the Braille displays that you own. You can enable them either via USB or via serial port. I don't know who has a serial port these days. I I suppose that could be for virtual serial ports. Could it for Bluetooth, do you think? No, it does not support Bluetooth. It doesn't? Well, goodness gracious me. I didn't think you could even get computers with serial ports these days. So, (laughs) Well, I know you can because in my work here at the university, we had to find a (laughs) USB to serial adapter. And they're uh, <laughs> well. You can knock me down with a feather, mate. <laughs> they're they're really difficult to to locate. And and by the way, that doesn't mean that a braille display will function with such a device. So yeah. uh, I would recommend using USB, just and not based on any sort of uh, official status or anything, but based on what Jeff Bishop has learned through trying to get it to work. It's it's dodgy at best. Okay, so no um, Bluetooth support. No Bluetooth support. No. Okay. Now you then select your language, so you can, you know, English or whatever. You can then select what grade level, so grade one or grade two. And and by the way, this is both for input and output. So the selections you make here are f- inclusive. Right. So in other words, if you select output in grade two, then input is automatically grade two, right? Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. One of the reasons why I didn't test this when I was running the Insider Builds is that they made the comment that they thought it was not a good idea to use it if you were using Braille on a regular basis with another screen reader. And, of course, Braille is a huge part of my JAWS usage pretty much every hour of every day. Do you know how they are coexisting now with other screen readers? Well, I think that you – they really don't, I think. you know. So you're going to turn Narrator on and and then it will then – use Braille as part of that experience. So they're really not 
commingling together at this point. Right. And I mean, that's fine. You wouldn't expect to have multiple screen readers running at the same time. But the right. advice during the beta phase was that you shouldn't really use Braille if you were using Braille in conjunction with another screen reader at all. It wasn't, I'm not talking about running them concurrently, but oh, they, were, they, they, they were suggesting that if you use Braille in another context, don't use Braille with narrator at all. So I'm hoping that they've kind of relaxed that as part of the official release. I don't see any official documentation that says that there's no longer a concern there. Okay. Uh, However, you know, stay close to the Microsoft accessibility blog in the next few days, because I'm sure there's going to be, you know, some documentation posted somewhere or more importantly, look at the uh, narrator manual because it will have the most up-to-date documentation about Braille in, in there. It's just really, really great. And the new accessibility website is fantastic. If you haven't visited it, you know, take a look. It's at Microsoft.com slash accessibility. So it's really, really great stuff, all modern, shiny and new. Woo. And while we are talking about shiny and new, we should emphasize that it is really important before you update to the creator's update that you make sure that your assistive technology is absolutely current. And this is particularly the case with some of the uh, VFO products where there have been some significant changes in terms of the way that Microsoft and VFO products handshake, as it were. And there have even been updates released all the way back to JAWS 16. Which I think is incredible, by the way. I think that's remarkable that there's that level of commitment to ensure that things work even two versions back. So, go, you know, very good VFO. It's important to update them for sure. Uh, the consequences yep. of not doing so don't bear contemplating, to be honest. So do no, make sure. No. I mean, it, by default, your VFO product should be telling you that there's an update available. But just to be absolutely sure, if you haven't updated in the last couple of weeks or three weeks, go to the help menu of the product concerned, check for updates, and you'll be told if there's an update available. If there is one, then install one. And there'll also be a JAWS 18 update that is imminent if it's not out by the time this podcast goes out, which deals with some audio-related issues as a result of changes between Windows 10 and JAWS as well. That does not occur in earlier versions like JAWS 17 and, and 16, but it does affect JAWS 18 because of audio ducking. What's your take on web browsing in Narrator? There have been quite a lot of changes there. Um, I guess the thing that I found was that it took a while to get used to because Microsoft, have they haven't copied somebody else's interface. They've actually thought about the way they they think that web browsing should work, and I admire them They spend a lot of time on this, you know? Yeah, Uh, And, uh, right, so they've added you know, moving by heading and, and some other commands to jump around and with text and form support has been improved. It's, it's quite good. And and I think you're going to continue to see it evolve. I don't think they're done uh, by all means. I mean, this is a, this is yet again, them continuing to want to reach out to the community and, and determine where they go next. And really Microsoft is, is begging and begging for feedback. That's really their constant message is, you know, we want more feedback because that's how we can truly innovate and make sure that users really like what we're doing. And as we've said, 
since this is Microsoft's screen reader, it does work with Microsoft's latest browser. So you actually get quite good support for Microsoft Edge. And if you Edge, really want to understand how that works, then then you can you can use that quite effectively with the yep. creator's update. That's right. What about context awareness? Yeah, so this is a, a feature that helps you be aware of where you are within within your environment, within uh, controls, and, uh, and they, they've taken it to the next level too with attributes, and which is coming, I think, a bit later. But we can kind of group this together, where they're they're really working hard on improving the overall user experience. Uh, to make sure you know, you know, when you're coming in and out of groups and it's really cool stuff. It's, uh, it's uh, pretty exciting. The other thing that's, I guess, working in parallel with all of this is enhancements to Microsoft Office. And there's a lot here. I, I tell you what, I don't Holy know what cow, I, yeah. I don't know what I did before the tell me feature. I use tell that all the time. <laughs> It's great, isn't it? I mean, they're they're continuously enhancing Office, and this is why it's so important that if you're not on Office 365, by all means, get there. You know, people say, well, yeah, but it's ninety nine dollars a year, and that's crazy. Come on, you get a, a you know a terabyte of of cloud storage, putting it on five machines. Let alone you're getting all the accessibility improvements on a monthly basis that roll, that roll out from Microsoft, and there have literally been hundreds of them. If you include bug fixes and all of that, I mean, it's really amazing to see the innovation that's happening. And not only is it happening for us, but it's also happening for people who need to produce accessible documentation, you know, in documents. There's lots of work going on there, too. Yeah. Uh, lots of UI automation being uh, enhanced and overhauled within Office, which is really making a win-win for not only Narrator, but also for JAWS and, and other, you know, AT uh, products. So it's uh, really cool stuff. I gladly pay for my Microsoft Office because I have it on my machine. Bonnie also has it on her machine. Um, my kids do as well. So it's incredible value for money. I mean, it's, it's great. Oh, it's crazy. And yeah, of I mean, course, you can sort of on, devi- on, on uh, iOS and other mobile devices, Android. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, don't you remember when you bought Office and it was $400 yeah. and you got it for one machine and one laptop? Yeah, and then you know? and then you waited for the big service pack to come out sometime. Ooh, yeah, sometime. So yes. so so this is this Two is years great. From now or yeah, something. yeah. Exactly. And for those who aren't familiar with the Tell Me feature, what you do is when you're in any Microsoft Office application that is current, you press Alt Q, mm-hmm. and you type in what right. it is you want to do, and then you down arrow, and you've got a whole bunch of functions there. It's actually extremely similar to a feature that came before it, which is the JAWS search, where you press the JAWS key with space and then J, and you type yep. in the name of a function. Um, so it, it, it's exactly like that, but in They stole Microsoft it from Office. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Um, one thing that I also appreciate is that they moved the accessibility checker, so it's a lot more prominent now. And I understand that that is actually having a very positive impact on the number of accessible documents that are being created. I was just going to talk about this. I think that is uh, really amazing that they did that. And it's, I mean, it's right next to spell check for gosh sake. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's prominently placed. There's no hiding it anymore. Uh, it, it's really neat to see that accessibility is not only important to Microsoft, but they're placing it at the forefront and, you know, in front of the ribbon 
where it's so visible that everyone now knows that it's there. So very, very cool stuff. Yes. When you get a company like Microsoft trumpeting accessibility in such a prominent way in its user interfaces, it's a very significant moment. We really have come a long way. Mm -hmm. Do you have an Xbox at home keeping your kids entertained? Uh, we have an old, well, we had an older Xbox and it finally died, but so we do not. Yeah, somehow but, my 16 year old convinced me that it was the quintessential Christmas present. And, oh, uh, there, there now is, you can play. Yeah, well, that's right. So that there is some accessibility stuff uh, built into Xbox and uh, there's support for better navigation with an Xbox controller. Controller, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I think that it's interesting that that a lot of these vendors are adding native support for accessibility in screen readers, you know, so we're seeing this on Amazon and, and Roku and, and all kinds of different things. But I really still see this as a work in progress and not so much because of say Microsoft, but because of the third parties, because so much of this stuff is controlled by third party. You know, the people that write the applications that then interface in the Xbox experience or in the Amazon experience. So I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm glad to see that this is that, that this is changing, and I know that the Xbox team is really, really excited about accessibility, and they're doing a lot of work there. Yes, it's important, of course, to have it in the OS, and that's an important foundation point. But then you've yep. got to actually have games that the whole family can play together. There are some games that blind people just can't play because of the nature of the game. But there are some that, yeah. But I think, for example, of Monopoly, which our family loves to play, you know, as as the world blind Monopoly champion, um, I like to play that and beat everybody on a regular basis, you know. (laughs) and uh, With your LTE laptop? Yes. Well, that's even better. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned that actually. But there's no real reason why, say, an accessible version of Monopoly on the Xbox isn't possible. And, and not only an accessible version that's specifically for blind people, I'm talking about making the mainstream m- version of, of board games like Monopoly or Ludo or Scrabble. There's a number of these things that actually could, with effort, be made universally accessible. So the one game is playable by all the family, be they blind or sighted. Yep, yep. Well, uh, a lot of these Xbox experiences are built on top of the XAML platform. And I think we're going to see, well, I'm hoping, I really don't know, but I'm hoping that we're going to see some changes that are going to help developers along the way to make their applications more accessible. And I, I you know, I, I, I really know nothing <laughs> about this, but that, that's my hope and vision for that. Well, there's dynamic audio ducking in Narrator. There is. And of course, you know, this has been in uh, Jaws now for a while. Yep. So everyone's sort of used to this. You know, you you have the audio ducked down as your as narrator is speaking. And, and it's been in back. voiceover for iOS for, for a long time. Ever. Since the yeah. beginning, I think, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. I think so. Uh, probably. I can't yeah. remember a time when voiceover. No, didn't. I can't think of. No. Yeah. So, so that's, and I also think it's important to give a nod to Apple. You mentioned how so many platforms now are trying to be accessible out of the box. And Apple started that. I mean, they, they set the benchmark that everybody's trying to meet. Well, yeah, but, but, but to be fair, Apple has the same issue, right? I mean, you know, for example, Netflix, it took a long time before that application was accessible on iOS. Yes. 
You oh, know? for sure. So, so, so you have applications that there, there's really no excuse why they couldn't be made accessible, and they're not. So this is not just a you know Microsoft issue. It's it, it's it's industry wide. This is a really hard problem to solve, and I'm not really sure what the what the solution is. But no, you're some right. Of mind, it is, some it, of the great mind knows, and not me. <laughs> well, of course, you know that the NFB passed a resolution a couple of years ago on the subject, and also I understand that. Microsoft, at least at one point, and I haven't checked the App Store. Uh, what do they call their store? The Windows, the Windows store. Windows Store. Haven't checked that for a while, but they used to have an accessibility rating, didn't they? In an attempt to yes, shame, I, I guess, developers and or encourage developers to make their apps accessible. I I think that's still there, but I don't know. So, can you talk about the install experience that people are likely to expect? How will this update reach their machines, and what should they expect in terms of getting updated? Get a nice cold beer and go to Windows <laughs> Update. No, you don't even don't, drink I, beer. I don't even drink, and beer, I don't no. drink it either these days. So. <laughs> I don't. No, uh. I had one when I think it was nineteen or something, and. <laughs> swallow, swallow a little bit. Didn't like that. And never drank anymore. I've got, I've got that, but I do have a Kahlua story. I'll tell you sometime. Oh goodness! Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you'll get the update as a Windows update. So you'll go to Windows I and go to Windows Update, and then it will appear there eventually. Again, these will roll out slowly. Jonathan's right in that newer machines tend to get it first. So, you know, it may take a little bit of time before you actually see it. Once you get it downloaded, you'll be prompted to either schedule it to be uh, updated or you can actually just click on the restart button and let your machine go to work. Now, at some point during the update experience, you can turn on Narrator and follow its progress. And it's sort of hit and miss as to when you can do that. It's really kind of based on the speed of your machine. But do remember that control Windows Enter will be your friend here, not Windows Enter. Now, how should people review the screen if they haven't had a chance to read the manual yet, but they do want to keep track of the update? Because it's a long, 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 long process. This thing will take ages to install. It, yeah, it, it will probably... Yeah, it's a full version of Windows, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're basically getting a full brand new copy. Don't so switch the thing off, whatever you do. You oh, know. my God, no. <laughs> it will take 45 minutes to, yeah. to an hour unless you have an SSD, and then maybe it will be faster. But yeah. you can uh, turn Narrator on, and then Caps Lock and your arrow keys will move you from item to item. You can use Caps Lock up and down arrow to change the scope of what your arrow keys are seeing. That's the basic navigation that you're going to need at this point. If people are happy with the windows that they have, and some people are reluctant to change what's working, if it ain't broke and all that, there's really a whole bunch of nothing they can do, right? Once the update's there, you're going to have to install it you're at some point. You're pretty much going to have to get yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, You might be able to, to delay it a little bit, but... Uh, kind of like paying your taxes. Just yeah, get it done because... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like death and taxes. We're yeah, they'll gonna, catch up with you, know, you in the end, I tell you. Exactly. Yeah. Indeed. But your overall impression then, do you think this is a worthwhile update? Are, are there things that you don't like about it or is this all positive? No, I, I don't really think there's anything that's negative about the update. There's lots of polish all over the interface. There's performance improvements, all kinds of really neat things here. So I, I think it's if, if you're on Windows 10, that's a no-brainer. Uh, if you're on Windows 7, 
then I would definitely get to Windows 10. There's still the free offer from Microsoft that you can find out at the uh, microsoft.com slash accessibility site. This is only for people who use assistive technology, and I stress that point. There are certain sites I no longer visit because of them. Yeah, some people were totally unscrupulous about that, weren't they? Yeah, it just, just uh, made me very angry. Yeah. So, uh, but what can you do, right? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so, yes, you still can get the update, and I would encourage you to do it soon so that you can get in line for Creator. It's uh, it's really exciting. You know, we didn't talk about the new voices in Narrator either. We didn't, so let's talk about the new voices in Narrator. So there are a number of new voices in Narrator, I believe up to 10 now, and the big thing here is they've continued to improve performance of the voices and more language support as well. So some really cool stuff there for internationalization and overall speech goodness. Good it's, stuff, narrator. Yeah, it's a tricky thing with speech, isn't it? Because some of us who've been using computers a long time, what we look for is being able to crank it up in intelligibility at high speeds. Yep. The, the naturalness, if I might use that term, of the, of the speech mm-hmm. is not so important. And then other people want to be read to as if they're being read to by a human and for them the speed isn't so important. How right. do you think these voices deal with both of those distinct audiences? I think they're good, but again, these it, it's all going to be based on your ear, you know? So for me, I think they're fine. Uh, I think especially when we saw the first update to Windows 10, we've already saw a pretty significant improvement there. So I think the voices are good, uh, but Again, they could be different for you. So give them a shot and try it out for yourself. Windows 10 adoption has stalled. I'm sure you read the same tech yeah. applications that I do. And they're that saying, surprises well, me a bit. Yeah, that, that, that despite all of the effort, that uh, uptake of Windows 10 really has slowed markedly. Why do you think that is? Uh, Windows 7 is kind of like the new XP, isn't it? People just don't want to get off Windows 7. Well, I I think it's like the iPad, right? iPad sales have slowed down too. And, and the main reason is, is because it works. You know, people, people don't want to change, you know, they're, they're happy with XP. I, you know, I have a, a friend here at the university who still has an XP computer at home. And every time I see her, I ask her, if she got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, people are, get used to things and they don't want change and that's really what this comes down to and they will not change until you know their machine gives up the ghost and then then they're sort of forced to but uh i think that's what it's all about you know if it, if it works for me then why why potentially put myself in a position that might break it and yeah. even if it wouldn't people feel uncomfortable because they're not you know as fluid with technology as say we are and even if they ran into an issue, you know, they, they, they probably wouldn't have the skills to, to fix it. So they just stay where they are. Uh, and, and then enterprise, you know, that's an entirely different thing. There's all kinds of reasons why they probably are not moving to Windows 10. You know, there's, mm. there's security reasons and, and deployment issues. And, and enterprises all, are very risk averse. Aren't yeah, they? exactly. Yeah. So they're very, very conservative. Well, I appreciate you taking us through it. I think this is a good update. And I personally don't think anyone has anything to fear from upgrading. It's a nope. l- lot of good stuff. And uh, we we are scheduled for another Windows 10 update later this Redstone year. Redstone 3. Yeah. So that means we'll hopefully get together again and do this uh, all over again. In and, the fall. and And uh, I can remind you about my 4G laptop. I may have one by then. 
Yeah, you think? It's no. funny, you know, I went to <laughs> I was I went to Best Buy when I was in the States with Bonnie at the end of last year, and they said to me, We hardly have any call for laptops with built in LTE in this country, and yet it's considered a real asset. I wonder why that is. I don't know, but Mary Jo Foley was talking about, you know, maybe a surface getting this feature. So that'd be nice. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Thank you for coming on the podcast again. Really appreciate your insight. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting. On the web at mosin.org.